0: Welcome to first episode of TNDC. TNDC was actually born in my college days. It stood for Thursday Night Drinking Club. And to change the meaning, we kept the acronym, but the D has evolved into discussion, debate, and also perhaps a little bit of drinking. However, in anticipating conversations that we wanna have on this podcast, We've decided that drinking is not going to be okay. Um, at least that the listeners that.
1: Um, so there's going to be, like, no drinking?
0: Well, there could be a little bit of drinking. Okay. I mean, I do have a bottle of wine up there that, yeah, sure. that Jackson and I have
2: cut into. Uh, I, I think the key is it's not going to be Thursday night drunk club. Is yes. No. The, 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 the emphasis is on the debate and the discussion. And if a beer or a glass of wine happens to go down at the same time, that's probably okay but we are gonna be touching on some, some pretty serious topics in, yeah. in this podcast and drinking can cut against that.
0: I agree. Uh, but we can't forget how this podcast was born and it was actually sitting in this same formation with two chairs in the studio apartment in Durham and we had a group of our close friends all sitting together and um, we thought, wouldn't it be because we tend to talk about public policy and how it relates to business, in everyday discussion just because it fascinates all of us and I I think there are some issues that people really care about in this room and we wanna get other commentary from guest speakers as the podcast evolves. Um, And we were kind of looking around the room and said, wouldn't it be cool if we mic'd up and who knows if we get an audience, but at least we'll try. And so that's kind of setting the stage for what our goal is with this particular podcast. Um, when I pitched it to other uh, potential sponsors and people that I wanted to get involved in the backing of it, I said, it, uh, we're not here to be martyrs. We're not here to you know, raise a fuss on campus, but there are topics that I think go unheard from in my opinion, a pretty silent majority on campus that doesn't seem to have a voice. Um, again, I mean, the, the goal isn't to, you know, have riots outside the, the, the studio apartment here, but um, at least create a forum and a broadcast medium for discussing issues that, might go unsaid in a typical college campus. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, yeah, completely. I I think there's there's a lot of very legitimate viewpoints that are suppressed by a kind of a fashionable consensus that isn't really a consensus. um, And it feels dangerous and a little bit kind of out there to speak up, speak your mind about certain things. um, And I think that's one of the challenges of being kind of a uh, conservative millennial in on a college campus is that the vocal potentially minority, potentially majority, but certainly not um, certainly not a not a, a broad consensus, is adamant that opposing opinions not be legitimately heard. Yep,
0: yep I agree. Um, and so, why don't we take just a second? Uh, we set the stage for what we're going to be talking about. I think for the most part, uh, as far as public policy policy issues, we're going to hit on healthcare, we're going to hit on energy, we're going to hit on uh, tax policy. Uh, just you know, as things progress week to week, I think it's going to be important that we comment on certain stories. Maybe we don't analyze them from a millennial perspective, but you know, we'll we'll at least keep in touch with what's going on week over week, and then the second half of the hour, the goal is to have people dial in, speakers, you know, experts in certain fields and really discuss uh, these issues with us. And then you'll hear analysis from, again, the millennial, uh, well, not college perspective, but grad student perspective and kind of that mid-20s, early 30s range that we all sit in, so that's, that's the hope. So we've gone through kind of setting the stage of what this podcast will entail as far as public policy debate, uh, but we haven't really talked about who's gonna be sitting at the table. And I think that probably makes a little bit of sense to go into. So I guess for, for better or worse, uh, I feel like I'm kind of the host. I'm monitoring the, the volume controls over here and I'm watching this ticker go by as people speak, so I know that it's actually getting fed into the podcast. So my name is Jake Schneiders. I'm a second year at Fuqua, as we all are, uh, Fuqua School of Business at Duke University. Um, My background is in financial technology. I was in product management, sales, and came to Fuqua for no good reason. Just decided to come to business school, and here we are. (laughs) I guess there's a little more to that story, but it's not that interesting for the podcast. So uh, if you hear this really like big, gruff, burly British man, that's Alex Kovacevic, and he's to my
2: left, and he'll introduce himself now. Thanks, Jake. Uh, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm the token foreigner here in this uh, group, Alex Kovacevic. I'm from Suffolk, England. Um, I moved to the U.S. just over a year ago to come and join these fine gentlemen at the Fuqua School of Business. My background is in uh, consumer goods. I, after graduating from my undergrad, started a small sportswear business, ran that for two years and sold it before getting into the toy industry and holding a number of senior management positions at small and medium sized toy companies and uh, making the big move across the Atlantic to here we are in the... Lamb of the free and the home of the brave. And also played pro sports. Played a little bit of played a little bit of pro football and by football I mean what you call uh, school football, not uh not soccer. Yeah American um, football. Back in uh, back in Europe when, when NFL Europe was still going strong. Um, so have a have a big affinity for for football and for American sports in general. And um, yeah, at uh at six five, two seventy five, three fifteen when I was playing
0: <laughs> you look great, Cove. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it actually, I should I should mention we're gonna call him Cove on here because that's that's just
2: whatever. We've, we've been
0: friends for over a year, and so that's what we call him. So I didn't even know what his last name was. I well, and to be to be fair, to be fair, Harold, before we started recording this, I just asked for the pronunciation of his last name. He's been one of my best friends for over a year, so that that just goes to show that we will call him Cove. Cove is fun. Hey
1: guys, uh, I'm Harold, Harold Abel uh, from Louisiana originally. Just to try to kind of paint the picture, I'm just kind of taking a seat here and uh, wearing a Texas Forever shirt. Uh, of course, we had several pretty big hurricanes that kind of struck through um, obviously Florida and Texas. So uh, uh, my birthday was actually yesterday and having lived in Texas. Oh, happy birthday. Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so. From Louisiana originally, but I spent some time in Texas, so rocking this Texas Forever shirt. Um, have one of my newly favorite hats on that, uh, you know, reflects not just camouflage, but also, um, an American flag and a trout. I love to fish, I love to hunt, I love everything outdoors, and I love being here with my people here, uh, to talk about, uh, you know, big important like topics as it relates to business and politics
2: and policies. Um, so yeah, it's good to be here, guys. We sh- we should also note that Harold is the, the family man among us with uh, <laughs> a fantastic uh, a fantastic daughter who's a lot of fun and, and one more on the
0: way. So uh, she's in preschool. She goes to c- she goes to class every day. But she can't talk. Well, not every day yet. I, d- I, I mean, we're, we're how <laughs> do you how do you go to school when you we're can't talk? Her, I don't her, get it. We're
1: working her out to every day. She's right now rocking two days a week. Well, that's pretty good. Almost. Two. She still can't talk. But yeah, there's no, uh, there's no. I mean, you know, almost two. The
0: backpack's definitely bigger than her. <laughs> um, but yeah, you start them young. Yeah. So, uh, so we're the three regulars here. It's it's Cove, Harold, and Jake. Um, you'll hear our voices, I guess, quite a bit throughout the season. Uh, we hope that this season becomes, r- our goal is 10 episodes per term, and then in the spring we'll see how it goes, and maybe we get to weekly because we're second year seniors at that point. And, you know, we have nothing better to do. We have nothing better to do but to talk about issues and publish them. Briefly mentioned uh, the concept of our rotating guests, and the, and I want to draw a little bit more attention to that because it's going to be really important as as the three of us continue through this little venture Um, I think what you'll find is the three of us tend to agree on a lot of things. I think we'll challenge each other and push each other a little bit to to really explain their points clearly. But in an effort to really keep this a balanced dialogue, we are going to have two other uh, mics that will be hot each discussion time and, you know, get some really differing viewpoints to challenge our own thinking, too. So it doesn't feel so one sided. In that vein, I, I was kind of speaking more towards like student d- guests there, but uh, the concept of having some really knowledgeable speakers—we're um, looking at you know getting some politicians in here, getting uh, congressmen, former congressmen, congresswomen, uh, and get some political viewpoints as to what's happening in today's uh, environment, how that impacts business. And things might get a little heated, right? Things sure, might get a little sure, controversial. Sure. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the whole premise of this is we want to, and actually, you know, we might as well just move right into the main segment today, and that's uh, why now. And, you know, the the common feeling, I think, around the table here is that there's a voice on campus that, is really not being heard, and I think um, you know what. What we could do is run through the streets and parade around and make signs and you know protest things that happen on campus. Uh, I mean, let's let's be clear: we're on a liberal campus here. Um, I think as the podcast progresses or evolves, you'll our listeners will understand that we probably don't lean that way in most topics that we talk about. Um, I don't want to put words in your guys' mouth but uh, you know
2: yeah I think, I think it's fair to say that we're all on, on kind of the conservative side of the spectrum right? I think there's going to be areas where we disagree and um, there's certainly a tendency in our generation to be more socially progressive even while being fiscally conservative and I think there's an, an element of truth around the table to that but in terms of uh, policy and certainly in terms of The role business and the role free market capitalism plays in our world today i would say we're all fairly conservative in terms of believing that a free market is is the best way for to encourage prosperity for everyone
0: and i think that's an interesting point because and i actually would like to spend probably a a, an episode on talking about the future of the two-party system I think there has to be a two-party system. This is, I mean, this will be kind of a precursor into what that episode will be about or a discussion topic within there. I think there has to be a two-party system. Otherwise, you know, how to, uh, if there are multiple, then the electorate just kind of gets diluted. But we can talk about that later. Uh, but I think that's a very fir- fair point. And there are a lot of people on campus today that get really heated on social issues. But I think, and we saw it in the polls last November when Trump won the election... That's not necessarily what wins the election every time. So, to be and, and I, it will admit I'm. You know, there are certain views in in my, uh, you know, my personal belief system where I am more socially uh, liberal. I, you know, but certainly fiscally conservative. To Alex's point, there.
1: Yeah, I, I'd, I, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, ultimately. As we kind of explore the topic, why now, it's, you know, really trying to set the stage that we can explore uh, opportunities uh, to look at different perspectives and, like, schools of, of thought. Um, as Jake said, um, of course, right now we're at a, a, a more kind of liberal um, academic institution. Having said that, most campuses around... Uh, the United States are, are liberal, uh, which is like totally fine, um, but we just want to create a forum amongst ourselves as well as bringing other kind of guest speakers on to really um, highlight and address all perspectives, right? Uh, minority, majority, um, silent majority, silent minority, whatever that, whatever that looks like. Um, ultimately, I think this is a great kind of forum. Uh, f- for that and a venue to explore those those uh, those th- those thoughts.
2: Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there, Howard. It's, it's the amount of free and open debate and discussion and sharing of a wide diversity of viewpoints. I think is being narrowed day by day, month by month, sure. in this environment. And there was an article a couple of days ago that came out in the Washington Post that highlighted a study saying that more than 50% of college students now believe it's acceptable to shout down and not allow someone to speak if they present views that they feel are objectionable. Mm. And one in five students believe it's acceptable to be violent towards people who Mm. they think are saying something that is objectionable. And that is not the academic environment we want to be in. We want to be in a place where it's safe for everybody to explore their views, to hear... Uh, plurality of viewpoints to hear a wide and diverse thought process sure. to understand the situation, the environment we're in. And that is something that with the polarization of today's politics and today's society, especially among our generation, is becoming more and more difficult, I feel. Right. And,
0: uh, I want to add to that. And I have the that study pulled up here. It's from the Washington Post a couple of days ago. And... The question states, Democrats, oh, wait, sorry. Yeah. No, sorry, the conclusion. Democrats more likely to agree with shouting over controversial speakers so they can't be heard. And that is 62% of Democrat participants in the survey approve that shouting over controversial speakers controversial speakers is an appropriate action. Whereas you look at the Republicans who answer the same survey 39% agree with that statement
2: which is still a shockingly high number I want to say
0: absolutely it's still a shockingly high number don't disagree with you there but I think it really speaks to the volume at which the left pr- you know promotes their thinking versus the right and the goal c- you know coming full circle with why we're sitting around the table here in the first place is this does kind of feel like An outlet. I don't want it to be, you know, a a platform where we feel so, you know, uh, you know, unheard that we need, we feel the need to like tell the. uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. But it, it just that those stats just resonated with me. That because. And we felt it, I, okay, so I felt it during, we had this, like, reorientation of school, which is a whole nother topic, it, I don't really understand why I have to get reoriented to school, <laughs> but it, they brought us back a week early, then we had a week of doing nothing, which was actually very fun, and then you know, class started, and but the, the week that they brought us in early, we went through this whole thing about so uh, unconscious bias, and how we need to kind of, recognize that everyone has these biases when they're talking to uh minority groups and you know really promoting a level of inclusion and in conversation and I think that's all good stuff but I think there's a voice that that doesn't get heard all the time and that is like you know the the right male conservative voice especially on a comp- on a college campus setting and I just want to sure. throw that out there
1: yeah and I think um So I'll take kind of one minute to kind of explain one of my theories of why that may be the case, like Jake. Hopefully this, like, makes sense, right? Is if you look at institutions in general, right, every institution has its respective belief system, right? Its respective um, ideology or ideologies. One of my arguments is every institution is essentially an um is um an ideological echo chamber and what i mean by that is it really represents a certain like belief like system right in you know, statistically, like when you look at things, and, and, and by the way, I don't care if it's an academic institution, it's a business institution, it's a government institution, every institution represents a system of kind of beliefs or ideologies. My argument is, statistically speaking, there's always like a mean, correct? And when you look at it, there's also, right, your standard deviation, or in this example, let's just call it like variance. My argument is... Particularly, let's use an academic institution, for example, most of which are more liberal and progressive. My argument would be that there is the mean, there is the variance. And um, if you stay within that degree, within that range, within that variance, that plus or minus factor, then ultimately those that are members of that institution are typically... They're fine, right they're 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 within they're within the lane let's let 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 us say the moment that an individual that represents or is part of that institution, right in this case an academic institution, the moment an individual steps outside of that lane or kind of falls outside of that um, that variance, right far enough from the mean, then I think that's when groups or individuals may feel like they can't voice their opinion or perspective because ultimately they're questioning um, that institution's uh, belief system or respective ideologies. And and like I said, it doesn't matter if it's academic, business, political, right? They all have this consciously or subconsciously. And I think that if you went to different parts of the country and it was an academic institution, um, you, know, you could see that, okay, maybe it leans more toward the middle or more towards the right. It just so happens that Maybe your experience that you had at orientation, we're talking about unconscious biases. You know, there is there may be a group that feels like or or a set of groups that say, "Okay, I can't voice my perspective in fear that they're going to there's going to be some form of retaliation, not talking physical or, you know, it could be okay. like that person could be looked at as ultimately what I'm saying is you're outside of that mean you're outside of that. Or you're far enough from the mean, you're outside of that variant. So that, that's that's kind of my 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 point there.
2: So just just to expand on that, Howard, and and I I feel this is the case, and I wanted to f- if you agreed with this that because of what Jake highlighted that the level of intolerance towards disagreement seems to be higher from the left and the right. Oftentimes, when you get an institution like this that is a liberal leaning institution, the standard deviation isn't even on both sides there's far more tolerance to be radically liberal than there is to people even being moderately conservative so there's more there's more f- there's more kind of room to the left end of that spectrum on the right because of the level of animus there is from the left towards shutting down debate from the right
1: but my my argument there is it depends in what what institution like you're part of and my argument is we living in more of a um, in an academic environment as well as not uh, in more of a kind of a even if you look at like cities like where most of like kind of mainstream like media kind of falls then I think that's kind of what you see I guess my point is the there are other institutions that are out there that aren't as liberal, aren't as progressive, that have a different um, belief system or represent different ideologies. That you could then go and you know, it, it, the it, it it changes, right? It's not For sure. I don't think it's 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 fully tilted to the right or fully tilted to the left. It just depends like where you are at.
0: Does that make sense? So, so let's I I agree. I think uh, let's isolate it to our academic institution because that's where, you know, that's the environment in which we find ourselves today. Do you think this is a relatively new phenomena that we're experiencing? I think
1: historically, and uh, let let Cove kind of give his perspective, but I I think historically academic institutions have been more progressive and liberal. Now, of course, over time, um, you know, there's different trends, like things change. But I think, yeah, if you go back to, you know, a decade ago or several decades ago, yes, I think – they're traditionally more progressive and, 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 and liberal. What I think has changed is probably more polarization. Um, having said that, I think you can go back to certain time periods like, let's say the 60s, looking at Vietnam, things like that, where there was a lot of like polarization. So I don't think it's all necessarily new, but I would definitely argue that, sure, there is a heightened level of um,
2: polarization. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. and um, I think you're right academic institutions and universities especially have always been liberal and that's not just here, that's all over the world. Students are historically a a very kind of liberal group. I think there's two interesting things to note there. Firstly, you're right, the polarization of today has made that more apparent and whereas even when I was in college doing my undergrad, even though Durham University and the Student Union was an incredibly liberal place, there was tolerance for conservative viewpoints. They would listen, they would debate with you, there was a respect for people having different opinions. I think that respect has, to a large extent, evaporated over the last five to ten years. And then at the same time, I think you're seeing people don't stay the same. And I think about my own parents who were at college in the 60s. My mother was at Cambridge in the 60s. Unbelievably liberal left-wing institution to the extent that there was a hammer and sickle painted on the wall of King's College Bar. They, and you had communist spies coming out of Cambridge from that time. Those people now are considered so conservative that the current millennial generation is blaming them for Brexit, blaming them for voting Tory. People change, and generally, as people get older, they become more conservative. So I don't think it's right to say this generation now is going to usher in a progressive viewpoint when they're 40 or 50. But you're right. Generally speaking, academic institutions, and when people are young, they tend to be more liberal.
1: Yeah, and I think think the issue is, um, going back to the statistical example, if you stay within that range, right, within that standard deviation within that variance like you're, you're, you're okay but kind of back to what kind of Jake was leading to if you step outside of that right I think that's when um, you know you may feel that you know your voice isn't heard or respected but once again the reason why that is that is from my perspective is because you are questioning the ideologies that that institution represent or like foster and I do think that academic institutions in general they profess or really want to encourage like free thought because I mean let's be honest so much great innovation in our country has um, sprung from academic institutions um, where people have been able to question and I think there's there's still a place for that right I just think The area that we need to explore or at least something to think about as maybe we move on in this podcast at some point is just understanding that I think the issues when you step out outside of that, that, that standard deviation, that, 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 that variance.
0: And you were talking, I mean, I totally agree with the polarization and it was kind of a leading question because I had my own thought on this one. And so I, I graduated in 2011 from Johns Hopkins and maybe it was my own naivety back then but i just didn't feel the pressure to conform to a political group social group or anything at that time i mean uh, and and maybe it was just an age thing or maybe i'm more aware of it now but joining the republican party on campus or whatever that club was called i can't remember <laughs> people didn't scoff at that they didn't scorn it they didn't there weren't protesters you know outside of our meeting hall or um. I just think that I think the climate is so different today, and hence the reason for what we're doing here. And I and I want to kind of bring it back to um, uh, speaking of Johns Hopkins, when Ben Carson in in April two thousand thirteen was on the docket to be the commencement speaker at Hopkins. He, he obviously a prominent neurosurgeon at their hospital. Um, he entered the political arena made some comments about uh, his promotion of traditional marriage and that got the the gay population all up in arms and started protesting his appearance on stage and and Ben Carson withdrew from commencement uh, in an email to uh, the the then uh, either you know provost or president I can't remember and just said you know there's too much not political, Uh, you know, it's prowess at stake for him, but just too much emotion around a day that should be celebrated for students moving on with their lives. And he quoted, this is from his email, someday in the future, it is my hope and prayer that the emphasis on political correctness will decrease and we'll start emphasizing rational discussion of differences so we can actually resolve problems and chart a course that is inclusive of everyone
1: that is well that is well
2: well said couldn't be said better it's well said and that's bringing this back to why not just why now but why this is an important debate to have because it's about resolving differences and ben Carson got it spot on there it's you can shout and you can scream and you can protest and you can hold banners and we could do that and other people can do that it doesn't do anything to persuade those who disagree with you protests and animosity and shouting people down does not persuade people. It doesn't bring them around to your point of view. So if you feel that you've you've thought about something and you've debated it rationally and that you have the right solution for something, the only way to bring that about in a pluralistic democracy is to persuade people that you're right. And shouting at people who disagree with you, calling them names, demonizing them, will never solve problems. And so that's why we have to do something to f- free up the exchange of ideas again.
1: And I think this, that's probably right. That That's really like the essence of our like podcast in this form, right? To do it rationally, um, to bring thought and idea to the table from different groups and let them like be heard um, and do it like respectfully. Um, and back to like the analogy that I've, I've spoken to multiple times. It it goes to, if you in an institution where you maybe, or someone steps outside of that, let's say standard deviation, right outside of that, like perspective lane, then I think it's important for the institution and for the individuals that are part of the institution, both inside and outside. Yes, you can question, but be respectful, be tasteful. Right. Um, I think that's, to me that's like the 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 the, 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 the takeaway um be respectful to people in institutions that represent ideologies even when they step outside of or beyond that range right that we've we spoke that, that we've been speaking
2: of and do do you think the na- the range is narrowing
1: i you know that's interesting i i think it depends on the institution of which you're part of I want to think that academia has a very wide like range that is the the, the you know the, the, there's more opportunity to question. But I, I do without, you know, I, I don't have any preset agenda like on this on this podcast, right? But I I do think that okay, if you're part of a liberal progressive academic institution, I I do think that maybe that range is tighter than we maybe think. Um, because I do see situations, um, you know, where, yeah, like people maybe have a thought that's outside of that range and maybe aren't received well, because if there are people that feel like they can't voice their perspective, then that's like an issue. And I think of all places, academic institutions should be a place where the range is wide and people are respectful and tasteful and really do it rationally,
0: and and I think right? in academia, I I, I completely agree with you. I think in academia it's shrinking. I think the range is shrinking, um, and I think it's probably what I mean. What happens if you if I try to have a discussion that might be a little politically charged, the person that I'm trying to talk to will typically just shut down. I mean they don't even want to they don't even want to talk about it. And, and I think this will be a good forum for that. Um, a, a couple examples, because I, I, think, I think Harold has risen a, a very, uh, you know, very good overarching umbrella of, of you know, setting the scene for what we're going to be doing going forward. I'd like to get, and maybe, maybe this is where I might get a little controversial, two examples. One, the day of Trump's inauguration was what Jan- late January like it always is a couple of months after the election so you know the dust had settled he was going to be our president he was being inaugurated and i wore in you know somewhat obnoxiously maybe i wore my make america great hat again or make america great again wait make 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 america, make
2: america great again hat
0: yeah i don't know why i fumbled for those words um and I wore it all night, and people gave me the worst looks. And it, of course, I mean, I'm, I can be obnoxious like that. I didn't flaunt it necessarily, but I was wearing it backwards, and I was having a good time. And but there are people that really did not care for that. And I just, I, I, I don't want to say that I would have an opinion about someone if Hillary had won, and she was, and they were wearing, uh, he or she was wearing like the. Um, what is it? Move together slogan, the button or what? uh, I can't remember. We're better together. Better together is their button. So if I saw people on inauguration day for Hillary wearing that, would I have completely shut down? Would I have thought differently about that individual? Would I have had some sort of preconceived uh, thought before getting to know that person? I'd like to say I wouldn't, but maybe I would. I don't know. Um, But I think that's that's the polarization that happened with this election in particular. Um, I wanna give, I know Cove is itching to get to the mic. I wanna give my second example because this one really hit home for me and maybe this was, I took it more personally than maybe I should have, but there was a day where I really felt, um, it, was, it was right after uh, a, a shooting and not all the facts had come out about that shooting and the dean Promoted in my opinion promoted wearing black to support your classmates in a time of despair and I you know I, I kind of understood what he was trying to do but the timing just didn't sit well with me and to feel so ostracized in an environment where I was w- Hoping to you know learn from people and express free thought and, and you know, have these discussions you know it was just way too soon for the dean of the business school to say wear black on Friday, support your classmates, support you know this effort or that, and I you know I wrote back I was like so can we wear blue on Monday then and and support our cops because that is isn't that is something that is passionate for me uh, that I care a lot about, and so that day I mean uh, it w- the interesting thing was later in the day when they wanted to take the photo of everyone wearing black, there is a significant number of students that did not want to be in that photo. And they're wearing black to support their classmates. And, you know, I'll leave it at that.
2: So I'd like to jump in here on a, on a couple of things. Um, firstly, just to kind of immediately pick up on that day. And I think I think you're right. I think there's a difference between supporting your classmates. So I, I, I wore black that day. Um, but not for a political cause. I wore black that day because there's a lady in my team, my CD team, our like study team here, um, who felt very passionately about this and made a personal appeal to the other members of her team saying that she would really appreciate it if we showed our support, not for the cause, not for the political statement, but for her personally in dealing with what she was dealing with if we all wore black. So I felt. She's a friend of mine, and I wanted to support her, and I wanted to do something that, that showed that I have her back, that I'm going to support her, whether I agree with the overarching cause or not. I did not want to be part of that photograph because I think that was became then a political statement about the cause, not about individually supporting each other.
0: Well, it did. I mean, that, that photo didn't go viral, but it went on people's Facebook pages as, you know, I'm so glad that my... Dean at Fuqua supports Black Lives Matter, and it, I I really give benefit of the doubt to the dean that it was just handled inappropriately, that they shouldn't have taken a a certain stance and taken the photo, and because you know that stuff is going to get released out there, and then yeah. you have people. It's exactly to your point. It becomes politicized.
2: Yeah. So I think that's kind of that specific example. I think one of the things that this brings into a more generalized concept towards what Harold's talking about was the polarization makes things that would have been considered mainstream and really are mainstream. Like voting Republican is a mainstream thing to do. It's not a, a kind of a, a fringe political activity. It is a very mainstream part of American politics would be voting Republican. And yet, we're now in such a polarized environment that admitting to vote Republican is socially unacceptable.
1: Once again, yes, but depending on what institution you are part of.
2: So I'm talking represent. about our institution yep. at Fuqua. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think there was a, a a great event that happened last year that really drove this home to me, where in our statistics class every year the statistics professor does a a poll. On voting intentions in upcoming elections this year, last year was the presidential election, and almost nobody in our class, in an anonymous survey, said they were going to vote Republican. Statistically, it's that's very very unlikely in a class of seventy people or. 450 people I think it was when you aggregated all the different sections together.
0: And this was in October I mean it was, it was really close to election day.
2: Yeah. Um, for so many or so few people to uh, own up I guess to having an intention to vote for one of the major political parties in this country when statistically you would argue that a lot of people actually did shows I think the level of almost embarrassment or the level of feeling that this is something that in this environment, in this institution, to your point, Harold, is unacceptable or is going to have some kind of consequence or some kind of backlash when four years ago or four years previously, that same mainstream viewpoint, I'm going to vote for Mitt Romney, I do not think would have had the same amount of charge or the same amount of animosity against it the same amount of embarrassment the same amount of well a deloitte diversity diet came called covering you, know, you cover an element of your uh, own personality yeah um and there's definitely an element of covering political opinions and i think yeah a mainstream yeah. political in opinions
1: in, in my kind of my, my my kind of point is with taking no like political stance and being completely like neutral to bring it back to the platform of um, free market capitalism, I think that we um, hamper our ability to, as a collective, um, as a collective group, right? Speaking of our like country, to um, to um, to improve kind of business, expand business to become a more prosperous country when in the example you just gave, people can feel like they can't express their like pers- per- per- perspective. And it, 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 it goes back to maybe, back to the statistical example, maybe that range is much tighter than we would want it to be. And I would just hope that through a dialogue much like we're having right now, that that range can be expanded and that people can freely give their perspective, no matter what political affiliation um, or business kind of perspective or standpoint you have. Because by not being able to express that or feeling that if you do, you're out of bounds, that's when you suppress free thought, you, you suppress potentially good ideas that could be cultivated into something that could make our country more prosperous.
2: So yeah, you you said it exactly. I, I wanna go off on one little tangent yeah, here, yeah. kinda personally. Yeah. Um We're talking about America here largely in this podcast. And while I am very proud to be British, <laughs> I'm also very, very proud to to live here in the United States. Um I got engaged this summer to a native of Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah, She's she the most wonderful person <laughs> I ever met. So yeah. Um, my, my future is very much here in the United States. Um, I'm committed to this country. I love this country and God willing, one day I'll be an American citizen. So I just wanted to, to clarify. And that. And, and, and I
1: just want to add a point that this Brit, you know, I thought I knew a lot about, um, American history, particularly the civil war. And I came to find out that I'm not even close. This Brit really knows <laughs> his so American history. Trust me. He does. does.
0: He does. <laughs> And if it'll be a really good viewpoint to have. I'll I'll never forget the conversation that you had with uh, my dad about the healthcare system. And I'm gonna ask you in a couple of weeks to compare and contrast the UK healthcare system to what we are supposedly going into. But w- you know,
2: yeah, and that'll be that'll be discussion.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so that I think that is a really good time to uh, to wind down today's conversation and I want to do that and these guys don't know I'm doing it this way but there is a a band up on Long Island called Rich Mahogany and they opened every concert that they do by raising a glass and and saluting our troops for allowing us to have conversations like this um, so I'm going to finish every podcast and say thank you to those overseas fighting for our right of free speech and protecting the U.S. as it is and here's to you guys. And we look forward to discussing uh, probably more specific topics down the road um, and getting more industry focused and getting some really good free thinkers on this podcast.
2: Thank you. Yeah. yeah well, thanks, said. well said. Well said.